You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. And today we are going to talk about sleep. Mm, what every mother wants more of. I know. <laughs> the running joke about how, is how moms are so chronically sleep deprived, but it's not just moms. Apparently, a lot of America is. So today we're going to talk to a friend of ours, Tiffany Rogers. She has a PhD in behavioral neuroscience, and she's a professor at MTSU teaching courses that include um, sleep and consciousness. So she's got a little bit to add on this subject. And I thought it'd be really interesting. And she's also a mom. So tell us a little bit about your family, Tiffany. Yeah, so I have uh, three children. So I've been married for, who knows, 13 years, something like that. (laughs) And I have three children. They're ages eight, six, and three, two boys and a little girl. Great. Mm -hmm. So you've got mom experience and sleep training and neuroscience experience. Tiffany's my friend who I always ask all my science-y questions to. She always <laughs> has great answers. She's so interesting to talk to. So we did a little research on our own. Yeah. You, you, you sent me this really interesting TED Talk, Bonnie. Tell me a yeah, little bit about... Um, there's a TED Talk by Matt Walker that you guys can listen to. It's, it was so interesting. Um, a couple of things from that is that he said that men who sleep only four to five hours a night have smaller testicles. That should be enough motivation for any man to get more sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Turn the lights out. Turn the pillow. Yeah. um, And lower testosterone than those who sleep seven to eight hours. And there's similar effects for women as to reproductive effects. Um, And he said that sleep is great for learning, not just, um, it kind of hits the reset button on saving our memories. So it's good for after we learn something, but then also before we learn something. So the it's kind of the myth of the all-nighter, you know, um, which yeah. I totally did in we, college. Well, you know, I, I love my sleep, Bonnie. So maybe I, I did do. one <laughs> in the four years of college. But he did say that the number he used was a 40% deficit in our brain's ability to make new memories and remember facts without sleep. Right. Yeah. It's a huge amount. And it's got, the thing that blew me away, was, so we're just going to start out with this, is that sleep the amount of sleep you get totally affects your entire body it um trickles down and affects all of your systems so um (laughs) they did this amazing um experiment it's not even really an experiment it's just the way the world works but daylight savings time um when we lose an hour of sleep in the spring there's a 24 percent increase in heart attacks the following day reported in er's that is crazy to me 24 percent like Politicians, if you're listening to this, please, for the love, change it. <laughs> Can we just knock that out? Stop right? doing it. Stop. And the, the inverse is true. In the fall, when we gain that hour of sleep, there's a 21% reduction in heart attacks. And he says the same is true for car accidents. As you can imagine, we're all sleepier and suicides. Right. So good grief. Sleep is important. Yeah. And it affects your immune system. Um, basically, they said shorter sleep means a shorter life. Yeah. The less sleep you get, the lo- less long you live. Right. It's like an epidemic now. Yeah. In America. Yeah. So So talk to us about that. Just in general, because we know, you know, listen, my daughter just had a baby. She's extremely (laughs) sleep deprived. You know, she's sleeping in three hour, four hour amounts of time. And you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So like you have a choice. You got to do that. But um, yeah. Talk to us about sleep deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad glad you brought up Matthew Walker. I actually brought his book with me today. But so he wrote a book called Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Power of Sleep and Dreams. And it's a really good read for both understanding how complex sleep is. So it's actually really complex on the neurobiology side of, you know, there are totally different mechanisms for creating sleep pressure, as he calls it, the the want, the desire to sleep. Um, And then there's totally different brain areas that induce sleep, totally different brain areas that maintain sleep or go through different sleep stages. So it is really complex. And I think we kind of a lot of people think about sleep as being just where your brain is turned off and it's really not passive like that yeah exactly it's really not passive it's really active process Um, but i think recognizing that helps us to recognize uh, both how important it is and why you can have problems with sleep so why newborns let's say don't sleep like adults sleep but so i was gonna i was thinking about 
um, how you're talking about the um, memory and learning. Mm -hmm. And they actually did a study on flight attendants. So there are flight attendants who miss out on sleep because they're on these really long haul flights. And so if you track them over time, this brain area that's really important for memory, particularly long term memories called the hippocampus shrinks in these individuals. And so you literally see it shrink over time as they do wow. more of these shifts. Uh, and so you can also think about not only is the hippocampus associated with memory, it's actually really uh, closely associated with things like depression. So we know that bouts of depression, you also have a smaller hippocampus. And this is changing in an individual over time. Mm -hmm. And so in the same individual over time, you can have the hippocampus shrink, and then it's more likely that you'll see a bout of depression, or at least emotional dysregulation in people without depression, clinical depression. And then as that bout clears, the hippocampus will regain some of that volume. And so we see that this is an incredibly important brain area, not only for memory, but also emotional regulation. And of course, we know emo emotional regulation goes along with sleep. So if we get less sleep, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. If we get less sleep and our hippocampus isn't doing very well, then we have a hard time, even as adults, emotionally regulating, much less children. So yeah, yeah. No wonder I was, wow. I bet my hippocampus was like a pea when my <laughs> kids were little. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I love sleep. I mean, yeah. and I'm a good sleeper traditionally. I've been like able to sleep anywhere, yeah. any any environment. I sleep through noises, and so it was trauma yes. to have the sleep interruptions. When you have babies, there's just no other way around it. Yes, you're gonna have to be up. You are. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so fascinating. So you know, owlet. You know what that yes, is? The little yes, little sleep monitoring thing, or baby owl. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a new thing since our kids, my kids were little. But um, so the Owlet did a study, and they saw that nearly half of parents with children under six months get one to three hours of uninterrupted sleep a night. Um, so parents with newborns to six months, only five percent of them get a full eight hours. Wow, that's a yeah. lot of months Six with months, sleep deprivation. Yeah. And of course, moms yeah. get less than dads do mm -hmm. generally. 32% of parents say dads never get out of bed to check on or respond to the baby. Okay. <laughs> Bonnie, you can't, because this is only audio, you can't see Bonnie's face. She's not happy. That is not okay. That is not okay. Both of you are parents. Both of you need to parent. Okay. Um, by six weeks in a baby's life, generally, um, more you can see more regular patterns of sleep emerge um and i think that's if you're kind of working on it because sleep yes. is a skill like they're not just born with regulations We're well all... that's that's what we both thought that sleep is a skill it's something you train but is what do you what say you yes yes professional so person there's like there's a combination right so the, because sleep like i said isn't a very active process Babies are not fully equipped with the power to sleep through the night. And so we recognize there's no, it's very rare that you would see a baby sleep in long stretches as a newborn. So we know that they have um, a harder time sleeping. And so you can think of things like um, even in utero, in utero, they spend most of their time sleeping and you actually don't even see patterns of wakefulness until the third trimester. So they're, they're sleeping most of the time, but then you see this ramp up of a particular sleep, uh, uh, phase called REM sleep, which stands for rapid eye movement sleep, where mm -hmm. literally the eyes jet back and forth. Um, but so, uh, you know, you think of things, this is a good example of, of how a baby's brain is perhaps different in regards to sleep than adults. But so in that third trimester, they're really ramping up REM sleep, which is where we think of making new cell-to-cell -cell connections in the brain. Uh, a lot of these uh, new connections that they'll need for learning are happening right here in this last week of the, of, of, uh, the in utero gestational period. But so as this REM revs up, in adults, REM looks like paralysis. You sleep, uh, you sleep and dream during REM sleep. Um, but we don't act out our dreams, and that's probably good, right? So we have paralysis. We don't get up during <laughs> Most our of dreams. Us don't, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, heard some scary stories. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, unusual for us to do that. So we're supposed to be par uh, in, under this paralysis in REM sleep. Well, newborn in, in gestation, these in utero uh, babies don't have that. So during all this REM stuff, they actually increase their kicking. So right before you have your baby, oh. it's very likely that during their sleep, they're going to be kicking and doing all these activity you know, to a very large degree because they literally don't have the brain areas online to say, have this paralysis, don't act out, all these kind of 
thoughts or you know whatever dreams look like for in your <laughs> babies right so when you're pregnant feeling all that activity they're yes. probably asleep yes exactly that's, that's exactly wow. it they're not awake they're asleep that's I right never yes. knew that. so interesting yeah. yes yeah so <laughs> as they're born then they're they're born with actually more connections and more cells than adults have but they're not in the in the mature circuits that you would see in adults okay. so they really don't have online the ability to regulate sleep so there's a there's a lot of circuitry that ha that requires development so for example if you i'm sure you've heard of circadian rhythm mm -hmm. circadian rhythm actually doesn't even emerge you don't even see the beginnings of it until three or four months so they don't have a sensation of day and night until several months later that being said you know it's complex it takes a lot of different brain areas coming online after birth to induce sleep and maintain sleep sleep habits are also important right so like a lot of it is learning and a lot of it is cues and habits and you know uh, as circadian rhythm comes online so you know as we think about three to four and into six months the cue of light is going to be really important so we have this pathway called the retinohypothalamic pineal pathway all that means is going from the retina of the eyes the eyes see light and it's going back to this hormone driven center um, where we're releasing hormones to the rest of our body and cueing things like when to get sleepy so light becomes really important other things like when meals happen, mm -hmm. you know, all the, all routine. the, yeah, all the yeah. routine. Refer to the routine yes. episode. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. yeah, right. yeah. All that really begins to matter as the baby matures. Yeah. So what happens if you have a baby and you're born in Alaska and it's wintertime? Yeah. And there's no light. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, a lot of adults uh, in those types of environments cue themselves. So they'll turn on bright lights and they'll dim lights and they'll kind of create their own cues. Fake, a false. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. And I think that's important too. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, some babies can, is it just because their brains, you're saying, haven't come online to, to sleep when they're younger? So, like, Emma was sleeping, I don't know, maybe six-hour stretch mm -hmm. at six weeks old. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, we were, we were doing every sleep cue trick thing yeah. in the book. <laughs> but we did it with Houston as well, and he didn't sleep through the night till six months old. Yeah. So, um, is that just luck of the draw? Yeah, a lot of it is yeah. just kind of biology where like they're, we, the, if we know anything about kids, it's how diverse neurodevelopment is. So kids just don't all develop at the same rate, the same pace, the same areas at the same time. And so it's really variable and that, that yields and varied sleep in babies. And that, that's part of it, I think is important to recognize it's not any type of failure. Right. For new moms mm -hmm. to say, like, that this is not my fault that they're not sleeping. But, but we also want to do everything we can to make sure we can cue sleep as, you know, as much as we can help. We want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I did remember with him, the second one, it's like, okay, everything changes with babies. Nothing's permanent. Yes. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I didn't panic like I would have with the first one. Had, yes. Had she not been sleeping like I was hoping. Right. She would have, because I just had a little more perspective. So perhaps his neurodevelopment was just different mm -hmm. than hers, because I was doing the same techniques. I yes. Guess, yeah. The same routines. Yeah. To, absolutely. To help induce sleep. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there, there's a whole nap thing too, you know, when yes. you're, I remember when they were first born and that you get maybe two naps in the day, you're sleeping all this time at night and then you have a morning nap and then you have an afternoon nap and then eventually they'll drop one of those and they merge. It's all so confusing as a parent to know, well, what are the times and how much do they need to sleep? And you know, you don't yes. want them to sleep too late into dinner time because then they're not going to go to sleep at night. Do you remember juggling oh, all the, yes. Don't fall asleep yes. in the car seat. No, 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 no it's not that a thing. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it would mess up the whole rest of the day. Oh. Yeah, the nap thing, like we lived and breathed around our mm -hmm. nap times. Mm -hmm. Like we worked around the sleep, not the other way around. Yeah, it was a non-negotiable for us too. Just yeah. errands and things had to be done. Just to keep it sane. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. An important note on that. So I will say like, uh, you know, as a one-year-old, you're what's called polyphasic. You have many naps and you sleep at night. By, t by, you know, toddler, older toddlers into three, four years old, you're biphasic, right? You have a nap and then you, have, you sleep during the night. And soon after that, you become monophasic like adults are. You just sleep at night. But because, again, sleep is such an active process, if you lose sleep, if a child loses sleep, the areas that control inducing and maintaining sleep 
get tired too. So they don't have the oh. ability. They're kind of, they're, you know, just like emotional regulation is kind of, you know, you can't do that as well. You can't maintain sleep as well because you're tired, which doesn't make sense. Yes. It's not intuitive, but less sleep begets less sleep. You just, as you have, as you lose out on sleep, you lose out on the ability to induce and maintain sleep. So naps are important. So <laughs> yeah, little grandparents who, yes. <laughs> Don't make them do that. Yes. That is not nice. It's not yeah. good for their little brains. No. I mean, you can look at it as a health issue. Moms, they if you're listening, regulate. send this to your <laughs> in-laws and your parents. We got to all be on the same team here. You want to set those kids up for success. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes it really rough for everybody. And then you've got to reset the whole cycle. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I know. <laughs> even, Every like, time. Even I'm thinking like a weekend at grandma's. Where like all bets are off and there's like go to bed late or maybe don't take your nap. And I always kind of thought of it in terms of behavior. So I was setting them up for a failure during the day. I mean, it's kind of my fault mm. if I if I didn't protect that nap time, that sleep time. Um, but I didn't even think about them having more trouble going to sleep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they wow. have a little sleep debt that they have to work off too. Like oh, you have yeah. to kind of, they, they will actually increase their REM sleep. Uh, this again, this period for that's important for memory um, and learning and attention and emotional regulation, all the good things. But that will kind of ramp up as they're trying to catch up on sleep. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So I imagine it would be hard. I mean, you think about, okay, teething, you know, mm-hmm. or they get sick. Yes. Or stuff. Life happens. You know, sure. you're on vacation yes. yeah. and you don't have your normal regular sleep schedule. Just know it's going to take you a little bit longer after something like that happens to get back into, to retrain yes. those circuits and help them to get back into what they're used to doing, what yes. they need to do. Wow. <laughs> and I, I looked on um, a CNN article, had um, really interesting like sleep patterns from around the world. Oh, yes. Because I always yeah. think it's so interesting to look yeah. at other cultures. You know this about me. I love to look at other cultures and be like, what do you do? What do yeah. you do? And so they said that New Zealand... United Kingdom and Australia all reported the earliest bedtimes before 8 p.m. for children 0 to 3. Mm-hmm. The U.S. was about 9 p.m. And then South Korea, Taiwan, India, and Hong Kong reported the latest bedtimes 10 p.m. or later for a 0 to 3-year-old? I know. And yeah. I'd be thinking, man. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> and it, like, that is so wild to me. I wonder what the rest of their daily rhythms are like. It's got to be... Different yeah, than ours. you would assume offset. Yeah, yes. I don't know though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like when we were in, I think it was Argentina, the whole city of Buenos Aires didn't get up and moving until ten in the morning. Oh, so yeah. I can see if that was really your pattern. If your parents weren't going to work, you know, and yeah. I'm not sure what time schools were starting, but you could do a really late. Oh, then you've pushed it. You pushed. The you just pushed everything. Right, yeah. and then Latin cultures they all have the afternoon siesta. Yes. To compensate yes. for this late yeah. bedtime exactly. too. So. And then those Dutch parents, I just got to give a shout out to them. I just love them. <laughs> they um, strongly supported a cultural rule of rest, regularity, and cleanliness, which entailed <laughs> establishing a firm routine featuring plenty of sleep on a regular schedule from an early age. Yeah. And so, um, it, but the conclusion was, if you have a consistent bedtime routine, you do better. Yes. Yeah. And whether that was 10 o'clock, 8 o'clock, yeah. 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. again, I think that's probably true for us too. Is it Tiffany for adults? Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, consistency for sure. Yeah, we have we do have a circadian rhythm that really does. So they've done all these studies now where you have people stay in completely dark caves. There was a mammoth cave experiment where they had people stay in the cave for in this complete dark. We actually took a cave tour this past week. In, yeah, just a few days ago. And they turned off all the lights. And it truly is oh, like, yeah. you feel That's like disturbing. your eyes are closed. <laughs> it's it's creeping. Yes, yeah. But they had people stay in these completely dark caves. And it turns out, I mean, like your body, even without any cues, has a natural circadian rhythm that it wants to maintain. And that can be different for different people. So there's, you know, early birds and night owls, and that actually represents a biological difference. So there, I mean, there are differences, but at the same time, our body really craves sleep at really sort of particular times. So it's not that we can push it, you know, you can't go to bed at one in the morning every night. You know, some some people can do that, but most people are going to want sleep in a particular phase of the day. <laughs> yeah, Speaking of that, like you said, people some people can do that, like the yes. night, the whole night shift phenomenon. Yes. Um, that's another thing that Matt Walker had said that I was like, wow, like the CDC is actually saying that any form of night shift work is considered a potential carcinogen yes. because it 
lowers your immunity that much. Yeah. Like that's a ridiculous works. amount. Yeah. That your, um, your incidence of cancers and things like that will go up because your sleep is so off. Yes. Yeah. And we tend to think in America, that's, oh, you're just lazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you right, want to sleep yeah. a lot? You're just lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Because work ethic, Puritan work ethic, but yeah, that's not the case. It's an actual biological need. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. for children and teens too. Yes. Adolescence is a whole nother thing. They need more of it. Yep. Yeah. Talk to us yeah. about the adolescence, Tiffany, like the, because their brain changes. I just knew yes. the most cursory things like let them sleep in in the morning. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. They, they do stay up a little later at night. What's yes, absolutely. On? Yeah. So as children uh, come into adolescence, they actually, you know, this REM sleep that I've mentioned several times, they actually reduce on that. So REM sleep seems to be a constructive process where we're creating more um, connections between cells, whereas they have this shift where you actually lose synapses in adolescence. So you actually begin pruning. And so to do that, you, you go through more what's called non-REM or sometimes called slow wave sleep, either one. Um, but it's a different stage of sleep where it is actually kind of deconstructing and losing out on some synapses. Well, that sounds bad, but it's actually trying to get rid of any redundancies. It's trying to make the brain really efficient. It's trying to help you um, uh, kind of cement connections that are necessary and useful. And so the brain's always you know, a, a common theme about the brain is it's very efficient and it wants to take away any kind of extra connections that it doesn't need. Well, adolescence is a time to do that. So it begins pruning and it makes the brain become much more adult-like in the number of connections and the, si the size of the cells actually grow, even though the reductions are, are reducing the size of the cells grow and the size of the brain overall is growing. And so the brain begins to look more and more adult-like throughout adolescence. And a lot of it is connected to, or at least associated with, this shift from REM sleep to non-REM sleep. You have a lot more non-REM sleep even than you do as an adult. So adolescents need more sleep. They need more of this non-REM sleep. Um, and it actually is associated very much with this brain uh, development. And so you actually see the brain begin to sleep differently. Different parts of the brain will sleep in an adult-like pattern. And it's not the whole brain doing it at one time. It actually travels throughout the brain. So the like back of the brain sleeps adult-like first, and then it travels to the front of the brain. And the front of the brain sleeps adult-like last. And that takes all the way through early adulthood. And that prefrontal cortex yes. is where you yeah. measure risk Yes. And things like that. So yes. if that's getting sleep deprived, that's like double whammy. Yes, yeah. So we used to think that maybe as we as the brain matures, it then induces mature sleep. Well, it looks more like mature sleep may induce the maturing brain. So it kind of okay, parents. helps that. Yeah. yeah. Like red flag on that one. <laughs> schools, please yes. start later yeah. for yes. high school students. So, and know that, you know, you don't want to, my dad would say, I'm going to dynamite you out of bed before <laughs> noon on a Saturday. But truly, you're not really doing them any favors. Right. Yeah. It's actually like, really important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So and, interesting. And, yeah, and especially if your children are in traditional schools, like a public school or a yeah. private school. My own personal hypothesis as I was raising my children and they were, you know, graduating out of our homeschool is that because homeschoolers typically score, outperform, score better than their public school and private mm -hmm. school counterparts, my gut was they're just better rested. Mm -hmm. And so I went looking for some articles Um and I found one um, from the Washington Post. This was from 2013. They studied a few thousand students, and they found that homeschoolers get more sleep in general and that they seem to be better prepared to learn on a daily basis because of it. So um, they went, the National Jewish Health Center in Denver is who conducted this study. And they said 500 of the 2,600 students were homeschoolers. And these adolescents got one and a half hours more yeah, sleep yeah, per night. That's huge. And they yeah. were starting, the public schooled students were starting school and um, 18 minutes before the homeschoolers woke up. Oh, wow. Not yeah, before they started yeah. school. Before they woke <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. And so, um, so again, sleep re researchers have said, like, what, just what you're saying, Tiffany, we know all this. This is not, like, new information. But the majority of teens are not getting eight and a half to nine and a half hours of sleep per night. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, could it be that 
this sleep thing, it's not that all the smart people are homeschooling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that the homeschoolers <laughs> are yes. sleeping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is crazy to me yeah. to think that. Right. Um, 55% of teens who were homeschooled got the optimal amount of sleep per week. And 24.5% of public school students wow, yeah. did. Mm-hmm. I think you ask any teacher first period teacher and they can tell you it's ridiculous <laughs> oh, yeah, it's ridiculous so bad for them. they can't stay Just awake the constant exhaustion mm-hmm. yeah and children and adolescents you know studies have suggested that one hour of sleep loss results in a seven point iq decrease the next day like it's just it's we underestimate how small changes in sleep loss can really impact how how they perform academically and again all these social things like emotional regulation one hour in sleep loss yeah seven percent iq seven points in iq yeah yeah the following day crazy that is significant yes yeah (laughs) so why are our education systems not skewing the time open because it goes it goes along with the adult work week that's yes why. Yeah. that's right. why it gets yeah. tricky. criticism yeah. so who are we for right <laughs> right for? And, and speaking of teens let's talk about drug use and alcohol yeah. use yeah. and how that affects sleep well actually it affects sleep in adults as well yes absolutely mm-hmm. yes yeah so i you know i have a big shtick about um caffeine use for my children so you know i you know I'm, i don't come from a judgmental place on this but i'm really protective of them uh consuming caffeine because we know that caffeine in adults and certainly in children can interrupt sleep so you know one of our you know sleep pressures i've used that word you know today but so the, the sleep pressures one of them is a chemical called adenosine and adenosine uh, is a byproduct basically of cellular activity in your brain it builds up over the day you wake up with it at really low levels and it builds up throughout the day and it's really, really high at night and it builds a sleep pressure and encourages oh. you to late. It does not induce sleep. That's a different different mechanism, but it does encourage sleep and build that sleep pressure. Um, but so caffeine, the way it works is by blocking the effects of that. So you just don't feel like you need to rest. Uh, that doesn't mean that your brain is saying, you're right, I'm not sleeping anymore. It actually is. You just can't sense it anymore. You don't sense the sleep pressure anymore. Um, but then, you know, we think of things like uh, caffeine keeping us awake, and then that certainly can happen. So, you know, caffeine has a peak effect of about 45 minutes to an hour that will really feel the effects of it. But then it has a long-lasting effect that we don't necessarily always feel. So it has a half-life of six hours. So if you drink a coffee at 7 p.m., you'd still have that effect on your brain at 1 a.m. So it's not going away as quickly as you feel like it is. And you're still building an adenosine debt the whole time it's blocking those effects. So it's not blocking adenosine coming out into the brain. It's just blocking you being able to sense it. So once it wears off, your adenosine is built up much higher than when you took it. And you feel this crash because it feels like so much more adenosine. You feel so much sleepier than when you started because, you know, adenosine again is built oh, up. This yeah. is so convicting and I, I don't know. like this yeah. conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but you're but yeah. totally right. Yeah, can, yeah. Everything you're describing, I'm like, that's exactly how I yeah. feel. I, I know now. Okay. After such and such and such time of day, I can't. Yes. I yeah. just can't. Or I won't yeah. be able to go to sleep. Exactly. And, and some people can go to sleep. But then if you look at the sleep quality, sleep quality has gone down. This is very common in children where you they actually will go to sleep, but their quality of sleep has been interrupted. So caffeine is a big one, you know, in children and in adults, really. So you're yeah. not just talking ch- coffee. Everybody thinks coffee, but chocolate. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Chocolate's a good mm. one chocolate, at teas, night or yeah. 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 yeah, kids having dessert after dinner. Yes. That's chocolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was just yeah. talking to a mom today so. who said, I literally cannot give my child chocolate for yeah. dessert. She yep. will not sleep. Yep, yep. Wow. Okay, so so um, teens are experimenting with drugs and alcohol as well. Adults, I've done this, drink a glass of wine yeah, to relax yep. at the end of the day, go to sleep, I'm awake at 2 a.m. Yep, yep. It's, it's sad <laughs> but true. But so, okay, so in adults, you know, REM sleep is increasing its length across the night. So we start out with like really small little slices of REM and it'll go through other stages and come back to REM and it's a little bit bigger and come back to REM and it expands across the night for adults. Alcohol is actually one of the best, most efficient suppressors of REM sleep that we know of. (laughs) So when we drink alcohol, it will suppress REM sleep. And REM sleep, again, particularly for adults, um, is going to be important for all these things we've been talking about, attention and emotions and memory and all those things. And so it really does affect our sleep quality 
even if you know we we think about alcohol helping us induce sleep and that can be true it can make us feel sleepy exactly yes Mm -hmm. but it's not going to maintain again active sleep we we have these active sleep stages that are doing work for us and it suppresses that so we're screwing up our night times (laughs) ultimately with all that i remember when the kids were little and i was so stressed um one of the things my doctor recommended was exercise and I would exercise Mm -hmm. in the evening. Yes. So five, six o'clock at night, we would do like, even if we had to do like dinner for the kids, then David and I would exercise, then, you know, put the kids to bed, then we'd eat. Oh, is that what you call Um, it? Yeah. (laughs) Exercise. (laughs) for exercise. (laughs) Mostly the elliptical, but other things as well. Um, and I was, you're right, I was I was sleeping great, much better than mm. when I would have a glass of red wine. Yes, yeah. At 7, 8 o'clock at night, it's almost inevitable that I'll wake up. Yeah, yeah. It's not good. Yeah, and not everybody wakes up, but it's still, yeah, you can you're affect still, that. You're yeah. still affected. Exactly, yeah. right, yep. So that's another thing with the vicious cycle, because then you're tireder yes because um, yeah. you've woken up at night and so you think well then you're more stressed during the day and you need to relax more in the evening so you have another glass of wine yeah. and then it just goes on and on and on and caffeine enters that loop so you slept you didn't sleep very well and now you're extra tired in the morning so you take caffeine and now you're extra tired because you're on a caffeine crash in the evening yep. and, yeah like there's all uh, this coffee in the yeah. morning wine at night yeah. you're just killing yourself with it like you're never actually getting all the benefits of the yeah. sleep that mother nature intended exactly mm-hmm. yeah uh okay so okay so if we can't have our coffee can't have our wine, like what are good what are good um ways to set us up for sleep yeah sleep routines so, or whatever so if you do want to have your coffee uh, it's better to have it kind of uh, late a little bit later in the day but not towards the evening right so if you're one of the if you're co- i'm a coffee lover i really enjoy coffee but your adenosine levels you know it's not doing it's not doing a lot for you in the morning even though a lot of us train ourselves to want mm-hmm. it in the morning mm-hmm. it's not doing you know, our adenosine levels are already quite low in the morning we don't have a lot of sleep pressure in the morning to get rid of so we can train our bodies to want and even to need that so our bodies are so efficient that they'll say you know if you're going to do that for me that's fine i'll let you clear the, you know i'll let you block adenosine for me and i won't clear it out so you know it's one of those you can train your body to want caffeine in the morning but if you have caffeine later on it's actually doing more work for you it's helping you to alleviate the pressure of adenosine a little bit more and you're not interfering with that sleep cycle later in the evening so is this why you never drink coffee at our morning meetings Tiffany? you got it <laughs> And it can affect blood sugar stuff too. And that's that's something for me that I worry about as well. But yeah, so it actually does more for you later. And you don't have that crash in the evening where you feel like you need to have more caffeine in the evening. coffee. Honestly, (laughs) we've been meeting for over a year for breakfast. Yeah. So what time of day would... what's the window 10 to somewhere in there yeah yeah so I usually drink coffee about 2 p.m which gives you you know the half-life is going to be six hours later so that's more like 8 9 p.m it's going to push you when you're coming home from work you got kids to take care of you're running around yeah so you can have a little bit of energy then when particularly moms of young children might need a little bit more energy then okay but it's not going to give you the crash while they're still up and you're you then you feel like you have to have more caffeine to keep up with them and create that cycle yeah you just got permission to do a 2 p.m coffee from (laughs) Yes, friendly neighborhood neuroscientist. Very good. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, so pot is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same effect as alcohol. Yeah, that's a good. You want to chill out because you're a teenager and it's fun and you know. Yeah. Put on some Pink Floyd, whatever, and there you go. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I I don't think they're listening to that. (laughs) That's what our group would have listened to. (laughs) Yeah. It's a it's a weird one that so that is a category that has really variable effects for different people. So it can actually act as a stimulant in some people and some times and some contexts and as a depressant in other times and contexts. Um, and there's this whole interaction with the developing brain. So it can actually yeah. be quite variable. But we do know that that also affects sleep quality. So again, a lot of people will say that helps helps them to go to sleep. But quality is still affected. Yeah. And yeah. And then it starts all over again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So interesting. So even like digesting food, it's probably not good to eat right before bed either. That's right? the, yeah. So light is the number one cue for yeah. when to wake up and when to sleep. Number two is food. So, uh, you know, and this, is this, I was thinking about this earlier, it kind of gets a little bit different for newborns, right? So newborns really do want to eat right before they sleep. And you actually, the act of feeding, it helps to induce this REM cycle and helps induce sleep. But as we mature into children, adolescents, adults, 
food is going to be a cue for activity. So our body thinks is if we're feeding it calories, that means we're about to do work, right? Mm. And so you want to delay eating um, if you're, you know, don't eat right before bedtime. Okay. Yeah, that'll be a cue for your body to get up and get moving. Yeah. So have dinner, that's it, be done. Yes, yeah. No midnight snacks, yeah. no bedtime. Ice cream before corn. bed. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, how does that tie into weight loss? Because I hear that a lot. Yeah. You don't eat after eight or whatever it is. Cause, and, if, and the more sleep you get or the more regular good sleep you get. Yes, yeah. So the more that regulates loss. your weight. Yeah. 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 So the endocrine system is a whole other ballgame. It's really complex. Um, but so we think about, you know, eating right before bed. These are these are going to be stored. We don't have the opportunity to, to burn these calories off. They're mm-hmm. going to be stored calories, of course. But then we also think about all these downstream effects that trickle into the endocrine system, our hormone system. Uh, so it's doing huge amounts of work during the night while we sleep to regulate uh, hormones that have to do with stress and stress also has downstream effects on whether we store calories or burn them uh you know all these metabolic hormones you know uh reproductive hormones that also have impacts on weight gain or weight loss so it becomes a very complex um impact on these this hormone system but in general, you want to refrain from eating right before bed so that it can do more on clearing out, you know, things like glucose over the night to regulate hormones, not have to address the food that you just gave it and do this other job of regulating. Yeah. Hmm. Help your body. Help me. Yeah. Help <laughs> you. That's what your body yeah. is saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In all the ways it already knows how to do things. Wow. Okay. So regularity. We talked about that. That's king. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um. And we did sort of say schedule around sleep, not the other way around, especially for kiddos. Make sure you're putting that in there. Um, Temperature. Yes. I I cannot fall asleep when it's hot outside. Yeah. That's why camping is so terrible. It is terrible. All of humanity has been moving towards discovering air Air conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. So what's yeah. a good, is that right? Like Absolutely, yeah. Cooler the better? Yeah, cooler. Okay. And so again, it becomes a little different for infants. They like warm temperatures to go to sleep. But you know, in childhood, adolescents, adults, we, cool temperatures is another cue for our body to go into this rest state. So it is really important to have lower temperatures. So it like has to drop, I think I heard two to three degrees. Yeah. Your core body temperature for you to actually... Yeah, yeah. And your your body's doing some of that work itself. So it will, even if the temperature stays the same, your body's going to drop its core temperature somewhat. But you can help it by cueing these cool, cooler temperatures. So if you are able to have those little thermostats where you, you know, program them in advance or whatever, and you can program oh, yeah. that to come online at nighttime, that, that's great. You can kind of help that to be a cue for your body and your children's bodies to say, now's the time. Now's the time to go to sleep. Right, right, yeah. right. Wow. So, and then also don't... Um, we, we always, at least as far as it was up to us, tried, put your kids to bed at a consistent time, mm-hmm. whether it's Monday through Friday or the weekend. Yeah. Um, we did too. Cause we you, tried to stay on that schedule. Because you're setting them up for success for that following Monday. That's exactly it. doesn't it. really yeah. help anybody if you're like, woohoo, weekend, you know, let's go to the double feature. It doesn't get out until 1 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. No. Well, and I, I wondered that because we were so... Um, we were very routine. You mm. know, we just, it was between seven and eight o'clock bedtime. They woke up at 6 a.m. I mean, it was like very, very routine. And so if we got out of that routine, they did not do well. Yep. And my friends who were super flexible and it was very fluid, the sleep times and the wake times, it seems like their kids would catch up. Yeah. So see yeah. on sleep, my kid, it was like my kids could not do that. Even that one hour, like uh, daylight savings or fall back in the fall. Um, it would took them a week. Yeah, to yeah. Adjust to that. So and that's pretty that, common. Is that partly training? Like I just trained them to that, and that was it. Well, so I think yeah, I, I'm. I think that that is a good thing that their bodies expect to have sleep when they're supposed to have it. That's that's an okay thing. But yeah, it might take them. May, may their bodies may not be used to having to do that catch up. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think you know. I and, just was like bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was no, I mean, there was no, very, so travel, you know, we had yeah. family out of town. Yes. We'd go there, uh, which we loved to do. We'd yeah. go there, but the airplane travel and mm-hmm. disrupting the naps and everything, there was no catching up on a nap. Mm-hmm. Right. They right. just weren't going to do it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you just knew. Yep. <laughs> yeah. The emotional be- regulation is going to be like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, it was going to be that for a while. Yeah. Same is true for sleepovers. Like yeah. you just knew, or kids camp. Or yes. 
which they have to stay up until midnight or 1am for that every night or any kind of youth group event. It was just going to be, they're going to be trashed yeah. for probably two days yep. afterwards. Yeah. So one of my brothers um, always got sick oh, when he right. came back from like youth camp or even just a weekend sleepover yeah. that was really like an all nighter kind of thing. He almost always like a cold or strep throat or yes. it was like his immune system just was like hammered. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep. Yeah, that's a, that's a um, it's unusual that it happened with such regularity. Yeah. But that is yeah, that is a d- definite impact of having the sleep losses, this immune system. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Wow. So this this may be kind of an unrelated thing. I'm not sure how this relates to neuroscience, but um, one of the things we do teach about in our class is the effect of security on sleep. So kiddos, all kids, crave security in their home, right? And that gives them um, comfort. And they need this. They need to know their world is secure. So, a lot of times, um, in the middle of the night, when they get up and have sleep disruptive behavior, and they, you know they come in like psycho and stand over your bed, and you wake up, <laughs> you, you that's the only time they know they can get mom and dad to work together mm. as a team, or they see them together. Right? right. If you're just busy running both directions. Right. So my misbehavior somehow this innate thing knows. In the middle of the night, if I can wake up and get mom and dad to get together, help me to get back to sleep, then my world is good. Mm. Um, and it's weird. It sounds like a parlor trick, but when we did have parents um, sit down for 15 to 30 minutes on the sofa, we called it couch time. During the day. During the day, mm. when the kids are up and can see them, look in each other's eyes, talk about something that's not the kids. Um, that was a factor in helping their kids Sleep through the yeah, night. Yeah. Stay in bed and Feel sleep secure. through the night. Yeah. yeah. And and they don't, you know, they come to the class because they're dying to get some sleep. A lot of them. <laughs> right? But they don't believe you at first. But mm. we've seen it many, many times mm-hmm. um, improve when the parents just take some time so their kids can see them together. Yeah. Yeah, which is super interesting. And that's an easy little, I mean, it's, it's an easy, easy thing that anybody can do. Yeah. Also, the temperature is an easy yes. thing anybody Don't can do. Don't you want to yes, talk yeah. to your spouse anyway? Give yourself the gift. Yeah. Talking to your yeah. spouse for 15 minutes. <laughs> right. I mean, you married them for a reason. Yeah, and you're supposed to like each other, right? So. Um, so how do we know? Like, So some of us, I think, are so sleep deprived, we don't even mm. know what our sleep needs are. Yes. So yeah. uh, my husband, he required so much less sleep than me. When uh, we were newlyweds yeah. in our 20s and even into our 30s. He would be fine on six, seven hours. Yeah. I felt terrible with six oh. or seven hours. I needed eight. Nine hours was just like delightful. But like <laughs> what young mom gets <laughs> nine hours of Pipe sleep. dream. So how can we, is there a way we can know our sleep needs? I mean, I've read like do a sleep vacation. Who's actually going to take two weeks and do a sleep oh, vacation yeah, where they can measure their sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably that sounds would. like something a scientist dreamed up in a lab. Like this would be a great idea. It's all theory. <laughs> what person is going to do that? But yeah. aren't there ways? Like, I, I saw my son as an infant. I told you I trained him the same way. Mm-hmm. He would lay in his crib, not fussing. Mm-hmm. He'd be awake for an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just awake, like, looking at the ceiling, mm-hmm. you know. Just I felt kind of bad. I'm like. But it's still kind of a rest. It's still it's, a, Yeah, he's yeah, resting. It's not active. It's, it's a dark room. It wasn't pitch black. He could see a little bit, but. But I just noticed from the beginning, he required less sleep than my daughter. Yeah, yeah. How can we know that about ourselves? Yeah, okay. So if we start with babies then, so um, these are going to be hallmarks for when to maybe talk to your pediatrician about it, but it's not red flags like something's terribly wrong. So there's huge amounts of variability. Just know that that you know that there's no real hard and fast rules when it comes to sleep in babies. That's just it. Just is really different for ba- from baby to baby. But so if we're looking for some hallmarks, they're six month old who wakes three or more times in a night. We might want to think about, you know, talking to your pediatrician about that. And and I say that because it may not be something wrong with their sleep by itself, but it could be things like acid reflux, they have chronic colds, or they have ear infections that you don't know, something. So a lot of different things can impact uh, sleep for babies. The eight-month-old should not take more than 40 minutes to go to sleep or be awake during the night for more than 60 minutes. 12 months old shouldn't be awake during the night for more than 45 minutes. 18 months old should be awake for more than 30 minutes. And as you get to the two-year-old phase, they should be sleeping through the night pretty regularly. Again, that's longer, yeah. That's a longer stretch than I would have thought because mine were both yeah. sleeping through the night. Yes. Mine, yeah. Unless something too. was wrong, mine were six months old. Yeah. It's incredibly one. variable. But yeah, yeah they, I, I think those would be good signposts. Just, to, you know, just talk with your pediatrician, just check it out, see if there's something you need to address. But yeah. 
And your, it, your tolerance will change. I mean, will be different, right? Just your own mom personality. Yes, your absolutely. Up and dealing with that. And, absolutely. And your intuition, you know, yes. if they're really fussy at night, you know, there's different things that might mm-hmm. signal for you to, to check that out. Yeah. But so then as we get into childhood, if you think about, you know, regularly waking up post two during the night or we go into adolescence uh, regularly, either sleeping less, which some adolescents, particularly if you're thinking about caffeine use or something like that, mm-hmm. might sleep less, uh, or if they're really, really tired during the day. So uh, uh, for both adolescents and for adults, our circadian rhythm, the kind of peak wakefulness for circadian rhythm should be around 10 or 11 a.m. If you're tired then, that's a good sign to say, okay, something might be askew here. We need to kind of hmm. check out my sleep schedule, see if I'm either getting enough sleep, sleep quantity, or if my sleep quality is good. Am I doing things like using caffeine or alcohol or something else that might interrupt that? So is it, if you are tired at 10 or 11 a.m., is it okay to take your nap as an adult in the yeah. afternoon, or does that mess you up again? Well, so some some people are kind of hardwired to need more sleep, and so for some people that might work well. For other people, that might just be a signpost to say, okay, I'm just not getting enough sleep at night. So it will vary from person to person, but some, something you might want to talk to your doctor about. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. And I've, I read too that um, sleeping, sleep aids, like sleeping pills, sleeping medication mm. is more of like a blunt instrument. Yes. It doesn't yeah. really do natural kind of sleep. Exactly. It so just... again, because we're trying to use a depressant that turns down the activity of the brain for an active process, right? So sleep is so active, you're actually muting what's supposed to be going on during sleep. So the, the quantity may increase, but the quality will not with those. So that's a good one to kind of jar your body back into a routine to try to prompt it to get its own sleep, but it's not going to be a replacement for sleep long term. Mm-hmm. Same for, so a lot of people use melatonin in children. And yes. yeah, yeah. So melatonin is another one where it's a good prompt for when to feel sleepy, but it actually has nothing to do with inducing or maintaining sleep. It's a totally different process. So okay. we are cueing s- children for when to sleep, and that could be useful if their if their circadian rhythm is off or something's you know abnormal about that. But it's not going to induce or maintain sleep. And you know, for melatonin, there's. FDA regulation, there's no FDA regulation over those. So there's a study done, I kind of wrote down some of the uh, uh, variants in how much melatonin is in these packages. So there was a study, they quantified how much melatonin is in, in uh, pills sold over the counter. And compared to the stated amount, it varied from 83% less than was on the label, all the way up to 478 percent more yeah yeah so it's really not regulated at all you really don't know what you're getting with those we don't know the long-term effects of doing that so there's all kind of like um you know just things to consider if you're considering melatonin now for jet lag it's great if you're sleepy and awake but just not at the right time perfect melatonin is is key uh otherwise it's just kind of a cue to induce sleep yeah that's huge. Yeah. Just yeah. do your research That's if you're scary. thinking about doing that then. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Know what you're taking. Yeah. Another one wow. is talk to your pediatrician. Yeah. Know, know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Or Benadryl. Like I know some parents... Mm. Use, I know some adults yeah. who take Benadryl at bedtime. Again, yeah. that's just a blunt instrument. Exactly. It's yeah. going to help you begin but not maintain or have the same quality of sleep. And, yeah. you're, and you're suppressing the brain's ability. Exactly. The Again, the do. brain is so efficient okay. that it'll say, if you're going to do that for me, I won't do it myself. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So here I am sitting in my <clears throat> early 50s, <laughs> right, and thinking about all the times I walk into a room and have no idea why I walked in there. Like, oh, I just yeah. forget, you know, all the time. Um, memory slips, things like that. And um, my father, who's 86, is doing that even more. And you think mm. of older adults and dementia and Alzheimer's and that kind of thing. But they also don't sleep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So chicken or the egg here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we uh, it's it's so closely tied together, it's hard to pull those two apart. But we do know that they go together like that. So we don't know exactly which one causes which one. But again, if you think about sleep being a really active process, as the areas of your brain age, they are less capable of doing these these tasks. So if you're thinking about, again, inducing or maintaining sleep in a very active way, they're actually kind of wearing down some. So they're not able to do that in the same way. And uh, older adults really come down on their amount of REM sleep. So REM sleep uh, goes way down in older adulthood. And so that does, that's associated with memory. So it is, it is chicken and egg kind of yeah. where you don't know what which is causing which. Yeah. How can we get more REM? I panic. I walk in the pantry and I'm like, ah, I can't remember what happened here. <laughs> right. You read the recipe. 
how many times you read a recipe and like you've thrown the box away or whatever and you have to yeah. dig it back oh. out of the trash because yeah. I don't remember what I just read. I mean, yeah. are there ways, is that, or is that just the natural aging process? There's no way. Yeah, yeah. A lot of it is just natural aging process. We'll, we'll see that happen more and more over time. Um, but also, you know, if that happens, if you see sudden increases in that, then think about your sleep. Like yeah. try to try to take a step back and say, am I getting enough sleep at the right times and am I getting good sleep quality? Uh, yeah. yeah. I have found... I'm telling on myself now, but like when I take an afternoon nap now, like, which is not very often, but, but on Sunday is the most likely oh, yeah. time, 20 minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. Oh my goodness. I feel like a new person, like into yeah. the evening. I feel amazing. <laughs> yeah. Just the 20 minutes though. Yeah. You don't, right, two hours, right. three hours is, yeah, it's too much. That's bad I news. can also do that though. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm a really good sleeper, but I do. I mean, so it's almost like it's childlike again. Yeah. Or like that afternoon nap is like. Yeah, really helpful. Just yeah, boost. we used to think that you needed less sleep as you got older, and that's why people slept less. Not true, not true. So we actually, there's some people who even suggest we need more sleep as we age. We're just less capable of maintaining of it. Doing it, yeah. wow, mm-hmm. yeah. Ugh, so don't set yourself up for failure, Renee. <laughs> having that glass of wine at nine at night, or you know, eating something before bed. Yeah, and or, yeah it's gonna keep you up. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. keep you up. Or bright lights. That, uh, we haven't talked about cell phone screens. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. All the yeah. cell phone yeah. screens right that. before that yeah I mean, yeah. I know. Yeah. that is guilty. so bad <laughs> like the black yeah. screen on my kindle with the white words that's not okay well so uh, i you know, it depends on which version there's there's some versions and there's even some cell phone settings that will be blue light filters mm-hmm. which okay. is much better so light and light period we know can offset our circadian rhythm so, for example, back to those sleep studies where they started doing them in caves. Before they did them in caves, they did them in dim light settings where they thought if we just use flashlights here or there or whatever, it actually expanded their circadian rhythms to 25 hours instead of 24. So it can really alter your sleep schedule and how your body wants, you know, when it knows when to sleep. Um, but if we maintain light cues, you know, when the sun is up, we have light. And when the sun goes down, we're dimming all of our lights, all that kind of stuff. That's great. But you know, we live in a modern era and that's not really completely practical. So the sun is going to do us a lot of favors. So it's really going to help be a cue for us to, you know, wake up and go to sleep at certain times. But the blue lights that come in through our phones. So if you've ever noticed in photography or anything, there's the golden hour, a more yellow mm-hmm. tone in the evenings. Well, there's a blue light in the morning. So there is blue tones oh. in the morning that's actually a prompt for our brain blue blue tones specifically is a prompt for our brain to say okay time to wake up blue tones from our cell phone right before bed is a cue to say time to wake up <laughs> so we don't want that oh, we yeah don't want that yeah okay so there are one filters. more reason to put yeah. your phone out of your room. Lay, yeah, I just no just TV. lay there awake, and then I discovered I can read yes in bed yeah. you know with a kindle or something or and um and now I'll I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it doesn't have those blue lights, you know, the, if it has that blue light filter, it's probably okay. It's okay. not. It's not the worst thing to do. But that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'll wake up and it'll be a good. Sometimes two hours or more before I can fall back asleep. Uh, yeah, it's really frustrating. It is frustrating. Mm. I wonder if that's hormones too. That, that no, maybe, in your fifties, yeah. if that's affecting our ability to, to stay asleep. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but it's annoying. I know. <laughs> it's an annoying. Idea. <laughs> so, the, um, oh. so Renee, you were earlier today, you sent me a Tim Keller yes. uh, podcast yes. or a sermon, sermon, I guess. And it was mm-hmm. on rest. Yeah. It was on mm-hmm. Sabbath. And mm-hmm. I just thought that was a cool concept just in this whole realm of sleep, mm-hmm. um, that, that God, like modeled that for us in creation that Mm -hmm. he rested on the seventh day and that uh we too don't we don't just need rest every day we need a whole day of rest Mm -hmm. and that we have to build that in intentionally and um just like you're saying all sleep is not equal he was saying all rest is not equal And so he he was saying on his Sabbath, which would be in the middle of the week because he's a preacher. Yeah, yeah. It's not me on a Saturday or Sunday. He he would build in worship time first thing in the morning, and he's like, if I don't do that, if I don't start with worship, like the whole day is off. Mm, And honestly, I was thinking about that for myself. My first inclination is to not do that. It's to like go for the candy, Mm. (laughs) go for the email, go for the social media, go for the book I'm reading, and not just start with that. But he starts with that. And then he called it avocation, which is just a hobby. Mm. He said, do a hobby. So if you're a fisherman by trade, fishing is not something you want to do <laughs> on, your <Sabbath. laughs> on your day off, yeah. on your Sabbath. And then um, 
He said, then you can do something. Uh, I forget what the third one was. Do you remember, Bonnie? Uh, it was worship and then a hobby. and then Oh, and then just intentional rest. Oh, like okay, yeah. nothing. Yeah. Do mm-hmm. nothing. Which we've talked about just being silent. It's, it's really, yes. really hard. So hard, I think, for our culture because we've come from a... We've moved away from where family gave us our meaning and identity and and God gave us our meaning and identity to our work Mm. gives us our meaning and identity. So the times that we knock off from work and we're not working or we're not productive, whatever that means, is like a lashing to us and we can't turn it off. Yeah, being being tired um, in America is a status symbol. Yeah. Mm, Yeah, yeah. How busy. Oh my gosh, it's so crazy busy this week. How many times do you hear that? Yes. I am so busy. I didn't even sleep at all last night. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting because you know this, Bonnie, you've known me forever. I go to bed early, Mm -hmm. 8 o'clock at night, even as an adult. I cannot tell you how many people tease me about that. Like seriously, my whole adult (laughs) life. Like it's silly. You know, like you're being like a kid to go to bed. And I'm like, I'm just giving my body what I am feeling like it needs. Yeah. I I love the early morning mm-hmm. and, you know, 5 a.m. That's a lot of sleep. Yes. Yeah. Eight to five. That's unusual. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You probably, you've got all kinds of immunity built up in I your body. I do. I do. Superpowers. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it actually hurts my feelings. It's hard to hurt my feelings. But it actually hurts my feelings with, that people constantly tease me about like needing to sleep so much. It's, it's like it's a weakness. Oh. Which I hate. You know, I yeah. despise the thought of weakness. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is probably the work God needs to do in my heart. But yeah, it's it's across the board from all different personalities of people. I mm. think it's really, really odd. Gotcha, yeah. The amount of sleep that I don't that I require and that I that I need. I don't think it's weird. I just don't do it like I sh- probably should. That I, I don't allow listen. myself. I don't listen to that. Yeah. And I think yeah. most yeah. of us probably don't well, listen I think, to that. I think it's I think of myself as lazy. You know, like when people say that, it's like, oh yeah, I probably am late. I probably could get two more hours of work in like all my other mom friends, you Mm -hmm. know, back when we were, you know, had our kids and we were Mm -hmm. raising them. So I don't know. I just think you need to know yourself. Well, know what you need. Okay. I think maybe this is part of your um, difference because I think you're a little further along the road with this than I am. But one of the things he mentioned is there's outer rest, which is what you're talking Mm -hmm. about, Tiffany, Mm -hmm. what everyone needs biologically. And then there's an inner rest which is this he phrased tim keller phrased it as this like inner murmuring that everyone hears that is this um need to prove yourself mm-hmm. to somebody why or do something yeah why, why am i here right if i just do one more hour at work or if i just do this one more paper or one more whatever then dot 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 then what i don't know but he then. said then i've justified my existence yeah from the rocky movie oh. you know it's like why are you why are you fighting i to just to justify the reason I'm even alive. Yeah. So when we quit feeling that, like when our identity is in the right place, then we can rest internally. So let's see. I'm going to say that's where you are. Okay, so you can sleep friend. fine. <laughs> you have no problem sleeping thanks, and resting. But I do, I did admire that, um, that Sabbath structure. I'm going to try to maybe do that more because I'm good at part three, veg out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm like, okay, I can just lay here or whatever. But, but the, but the three things, that's a beautiful way mm-hmm. to, yeah. to just structure it. Yeah. And then you're, you're just, I mean, honestly, everything in scripture, I think is just a picture of reality. Yes. Yeah. There's you nothing know, new under the reality. sun. Yeah. So, you know, to see that God built rest into creation and that we need rest right. in the mornings and the evenings, then when you push against that, of course it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and even in ways we had no idea, the ways you're describing in the brain. Yeah. Disease mm-hmm. states, weight gain, or holding on to weight, inability to lose weight. Right. God made the brain. You think he knows? I know. <laughs> Pretty I sure he knows. So good. Well, um, is there anything we haven't touched on that you think, oh, yeah, I want to say this thing about sleep. Um, I think moms or parents of children who are dealing with sleep issues should know this. Well, so I think uh, my one of my most important takeaways, uh, if you remember anything, is to know that a again, sleep is an active process. That you know, if you're not paying attention and, and letting sleep slip, then you can breed for yourself more sleep problems. So mm-hmm. come pay attention to it, make it a priority, even though it's really hard in our culture, like we talked about. And uh, then also just you know, don't think that particularly when I think about sleep as children and in, in children 
they can be so tricky, right? And so do your best. Like we, we really want to promote good sleep, but at the same time, it's so different from child to child and baby to baby. Like don't blame yourself for any type of sleep problems that you may be encountering. It'll, it will change all the, all the baby stuff changes, all the kids stuff changes, and it will definitely get better. Just keep, keep going. Yeah. You're so nice, <laughs> Tiffany. I would say you can blame yourself. <laughs> if you're doing a really bad job, blame yourself. Persevere. <laughs> Repent. Change your way. Yeah. Like, stop yeah. dragging your kid to Walmart at 11 o'clock at night. Well, Don't yeah. do that. Well, there's simple things you <laughs> yes. can do. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yes, that's a, that's a good last, good final word. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd known more of that when I was raising my children. Mm-hmm. I think I would have had much more of a generous perspective and not panicked right, when right. there were sleep disruptions or understood better why perhaps you know, on vacation or in the fall and the spring, it's harder Yes, yeah. to get my children mm. back on their sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, you want to feed them, you know, feed them their best nutrition. This is the same thing. It's, this is not the thing that, oh, well, so they didn't get enough sleep that night. It's just mm-hmm. as important. Yeah. They're just like, not I don't a good think, sleeper. I don't really think yeah. I knew to what extent mm. it was such an active process. And so. some kids yeah. just aren't good sleepers. Like some kids have more trouble, but I consider it more, more like the Dutch. Like there's some training we can do here. Mm-hmm. And so just because my kid, you know, I had one kid who was not industrious Mm. And I thought, well, you don't get to just be lazy, <laughs> right? You know, right. we're just going to work on this. And and over the course of many, many years, we saw a, a slow change. I yeah. think you can look at a lot of things like that, yeah, including sure. sleep that, you know, maybe they're not ever going to sleep eight or nine or 10 hours, right? But you can improve. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Over time. Yeah. And this every, was great. Every little bit helps. Yeah. Every, sure. This has been really interesting. I, I told you guys, Tiffany's such an interesting friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we're friends. <laughs> So much helpful information. So we'll have um, the book she mentioned and Mm -hmm. anything else that we talked about, um, the articles and things on the justaskyourmom.com website. And you can find us on Just Ask Your Mom on Facebook and at Just Ask Your Mom podcast at Instagram. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, please rate us and and leave a review or comment. We always look at that and it helps you to find us in our... Uh, on the ratings and if you have any questions or topics we love to hear those too and we'll always answer your emails at just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com and so, we'll see you next time on just, just ask, ask your mom, mom.